Hello and welcome to Little Things with Amber L.B. Swenson. Today's episode is called, It's Not Over Yet, because we are racing towards the end of the year, in case you didn't notice. I'm sure you did. Hey guys, it's Amber, wife, mother, warrior, type A child of God. Here at Little Things, we examine everyday issues from a biblical perspective with one simple goal, to know and love God more. Thanks for joining me. It's the time of year that a lot of us are starting to go, wait a second, where are we at? What did we complete this year? Where did we want to be? Did we get there? What have we done? And if you're anything like me, these things always take me off guard because I always think I'm going to get so much more done than I actually got done. But I want to look at this from a spiritual angle. I know I want to just turn things on their head just a little bit and not talk about did you complete the projects that you thought you were going to complete or did you get where you wanted to be professionally. Those are important things, don't get me wrong, but I want to kind of just focus on the spiritual aspect for the most part. And I want to do this looking at three different things, them, him, and you. So let's start with them. How are your relationships going? Which ones have become strained this year? Who did you hang out with or talk to before that you're sort of avoiding? Or how are things going with the people who are supposed to be the closest people in your life? You know, siblings, parents, children, spouse, neighbors, best friends. How are those relationships going? Are they all where you want them to be? Or as you look around, are you thinking, oh man, I've got a ways to go. We like to think of peace on earth when we think of the holidays, right? And let's face it, it's because the angel said that Jesus was coming to bring peace on earth, not that kind of peace. God never said, hey, it's Christmas. That means all your relationships are going to go super well. Everybody's going to get along. You will have the kind of peace that you have never had before. The peace on earth that Jesus was, that the angels were talking about in the birth of Jesus was the fact that Jesus arrived. He was going to bridge the gap that we could never bridge. So our sin separated us from God the Father. And there was no way, I mean, even if we made a human ladder, even if we built the tallest building, even if we tried to keep the commands as best we could, there was no way we were going to be able to bridge the gap between us and God. Jesus was the perfect bridge. He was the one who came to live the perfect life, to die the death, the sacrifice for our sins. And therefore, Jesus would bring peace to us in our relationship with God. So peace on earth, as nice as it is on a Christmas card, doesn't mean that automatically as you get to December, and head towards the Christmas season that everybody will have these wonderful feelings towards each other. And I'm sure that you all know that. So here's a couple things I want to think and want you to think about. Sometimes God provides friends and family for a season. And they aren't going to be the friends and family that go with you through all seasons. So if they have been your good, dear, wonderful friends for a season, thank God for it. And ask God if they're going to be part of the next season or not. 
I want to show that this is a biblical concept. I want you to think of the Apostle Paul. Look at his relationship with Barnabas. Barnabas came in at a crucial point in the Apostle Paul's life. The Apostle Paul had just gone from being a persecutor of Christians to becoming a Christian. And Barnabas was the one who brought him into the church and said, no, this guy's for real. Like that faith isn't just a means to get in so that he can kill us all. This is the real deal. And they went on the first missionary journey together and it was great. But then they had the disagreement about John Mark and they split company. And Paul took another friend. And all throughout Paul's ministry, he's like, well, now I'm with Silas. Oh, and Luke's here with me. Well, Apollos is here now, or Timothy. And then at full circle, you know, at the end of his life, John Mark, come to me quickly. The Apostle Paul wasn't consistently with the same people. Yeah, they came in and out of his ministry. Some came for a certain time, a certain season, and then they went off and they were doing other things or they were staying at that church. And then he was with somebody else and this woman was delivering this letter or they were meeting in her home or, but God provided friends and acquaintances and church workers for every season, for every location, and they didn't have to all be the same. And sometimes we forget that. Sometimes when things in our our physical family are not going so well, we forget about our church family. Has God provided an amazing church family? Well, maybe that's your family for a time. And I'm not by any means saying don't work on your relationships. In fact, what I want you to do is look at them through three different lenses. So first, I want you to ask yourself, is there any way that you misinterpreted what was done, what happened? Is there any way that you assumed something That was not an accurate assumption. And that has caused this friction in the relationship. Because, you know, I'm really good at doing this, especially with my spouse or my children. A lot of times if they say something or if they do something and I'm like, well, why would you do this? That just meant that you, whatever. And they'll stop and say, that didn't mean that at all. Why would you even think that? That's not at all what I meant when I did that or when I said that. I was actually thinking this. And misinterpreting and assuming has led to so many crazy circumstances that I realize that it's something that I need to stop and keep in check. Am I doing this? Am I misinterpreting? Am I assuming something that what didn't mean that I, I shouldn't have because that's not at all what they meant? Number two, try to look at it from their perspective. Try to look and see the situation from their eyes. I had a dear, dear, super wonderful friend come and visit me in August, and we were working on a project together. We were sitting at my kitchen table, and we came to a point that I, I told her about something that I was going on that was going on in my life at the time. There was a disagreement between one of my children and me, and so I was telling her what was going on, and she took the child's side. She said, but if you were to look at it from their perspective, at their age, this is what they're seeing, and this is what you're saying to them when you do this. And when she did that, it changed everything. And I thought, man, I need people reminding me that I'm always seeing it from my perspective. But if you flip it around, 
and you look at it from the other person's perspective, how would they feel about you and what you said, what you did, how you acted, whatever. So if there's some stress in the relationship, if you look at it from the other person's perspective, would you still stand by your actions? Would you still feel the same? And number three, if number one and number two have failed, (laughs) the best thing to do is put everything through the lens of putting the best construction on it. So whatever they've said, whatever they've done, whatever they has happened that has caused friction in this relationship, make it, um, turn it around from instead of they were trying to hurt you and uh, or they said this because they were just rude and horrible people, try to make it, well, I'm sure they didn't mean that. Or I'm sure what they really would have done if they weren't so frustrated is this. Why do that? Because that's what we're supposed to do as Christians. And sometimes you're going to find that even when you do all of these things, the relationship is still soured and it's not going to be an easy fix and it's not going to just disappear before New Year's. But you know what? If you've done these things, hand it over to God and just make sure that you have nothing but love in your heart for those person, those people. Just give it to God. Make it God's business, not yours. You love, you forgive, you put the best construction on, and then you let God work it out. And every time that something comes up and there's a tinge of pain because you remember what, how it happened or what brought this chaos into your life, just pray. How, you say, how should I pray? Pray that God strengthens you. And shows you if you've messed things up. Pray for friends on this leg of the journey. Pray that God would make you who he needs you to be. And pray for reconciliation. It might not come this week. might not come this year. might come 5, 10, 15 years from now. But keep praying for that to happen. Sometimes you have to remember that God takes you to places that would not work for certain relationships. Not everybody can go with you where you're going to go. I mean, look at the Apostle Paul again. The Apostle Paul probably wasn't an easy person to be a friend with because he never stayed in one place. He just kept moving. And sometimes it ended. he ended up in jail. Sometimes he was <laughs> beaten and kicked out of a town. And not everybody wants to sign up for that lifestyle. So, you know, sometimes you're going to go somewhere that your friends can't necessarily go with you. I had a really good friend when I was first married, but she always wanted to do stuff that would take me away from my husband and, you know, spend more money than we really had as a married couple. And if I was going to spend all my money just on this relationship, it was really going to cut into the household budget. And so eventually she moved away. And I realized when she moved away, it was a really good thing for our relationship, my relationship with my husband. And so, you know, Not every relationship is meant to be for every part of your life. Sometimes people are in your your life for a season. We just have to remember that. Have love in our heart. Remember 1 Peter 4, 8 that says, Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Be thankful for the friends and that they were there for you in the past. And be thankful that there are different friends for you right now and there might be different friends for you in the future. And just... Walk with love. If you have love in your heart for God, if you have love in your heart for the other person, you are in the right place. And if those 
relationships are way beyond not just like, Amber, it's a little frustrating, but like, oh, no, this is enemy territory. The, this is a really, really, really bad situation. I want you to think about what Warren Wearsby said. He said, we may not be able to prevent other people from being our enemies, but we can prevent ourselves from being enemies towards others. You can forgive them. Listen, in your heart, make peace with God, make peace with the situation, make peace with the other person in your heart. If they still count you as an enemy, that's on them. You can be right about the situation and then just let God take care of it. There's a meme that says the best way to destroy our enemies is to turn them into a friend. You can be there with open arms when they come back, if they, if they choose to come back. You have love and then you leave it alone. Okay, that's the them. Him. Are you right with God? Is your relationship where it should be? in terms of your relationship with God. Are you seeking him? Are you reading the Bible, going to church, in the fellowship of other Christians? Are you keeping your idols in check? Phone, Netflix, media, all the updates that you get throughout the day, are all those things in the proper place? Look, we can all entertain ourselves into oblivion. We can all care more about what the political figure or the news figure or the movie star or the sports star, we can care way more about what they say than what God says. But that's having an idol and not keeping God in his proper place. God says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Look, if you've been a parent for more than five years, there's a good chance that you've had this experience where you're somewhere where there's a lot of people and all of a sudden you're separated from your child. And if that's the case, you know the absolute terror that you feel thinking, oh no, I've lost my child. Where in the world are they? Am I ever going to see them again? When we are straying from God, when God's people are straying and turning to idols and finding their comfort in things that have nothing to do with him. That's how he feels. He wants us back. He doesn't want us to keep wandering further and further away. He says, you will find me when you seek me. I don't know how many people want to be your friend like God does, but God wants to be in your life. So open that Bible. God speaks so personally to us through his word. He'll speak into the situations that you're facing. He's there. But guess what? If you don't open your Bible, you are missing it. You are missing out. And it's not just when you open your Bible that God speaks to you. It's when you're sitting in church and the sermon speaks just to the situation that you have going on in front of you. It's when you're listening to a podcast, when you're reading a blog, when you open yourself up to the things of God, God is going to speak. It's not going to be that audible voice. He's going to speak through pastors and teachers and through the word. If your relationship with God isn't where it needs to be, isn't where it should be, it's time to amend that now. Don't put it off. Pray. 
God, I need to get back to you. I want to get back to you. Help me out. Show me how to do it. I've said it a million times. Pastor Mike has said it. You've heard it so many times here at Time of Grace. Join a Bible study. If you don't see one in your area, start one. Ask a friend, what are you doing? Are you, do you have a Bible study going? Do you read the Bible? Can I join you? Have you heard of any good Bible studies? It is so, so important to be in the Word with other people. It will absolutely propel you forward. It will spur you on. I love reading the Bible with other people because so often they pick up verses that I I will just skim over it. I didn't even think it meant anything to me. And then they'll go, wait a second though. Did you notice this? And they will open my mind to things that I wouldn't have even seen. It's such a blessing to be with other Christians. So don't neglect it. There's a meme that says, when we put God first, all other things fall into their proper place or drop out of our lives. Our love of the Lord will govern the claims of our affection, the demands on our time, the interests we pursue, and the order of our priorities. Uh, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and everything else will be given to you as well. First, seek God. First, read your Bible. First, pray. Make time for that every single day. Don't keep putting that off. Don't say next year, I'm really going to do this. No, today. Today's the day to start. Forget about next year. Start today. You want to put God first? Put him first today. Start right now and make it a habit. It, It will become a habit. As you do it every day, it becomes a habit, and then you start feeling empty if you haven't done that. So do it right now. So work on your relationship with God. So first you're going to work on your relationship with God. You're going to work on your relationship with other people, and then you. Um, are there some issues that you need to be facing? I know <laughs> it's not fun, but... Are your finances where they should be? Or did you totally overspend this year? Is there an addiction that you've been avoiding? You know that it's out of control. Is your marriage in shambles? Or is there another issue that you know is totally out of whack in your heart, in your life? Are you ready to confront it? I'm not going to give you three easy steps to get out of this. But I am going to tell you that admitting you have a problem is the first step in getting through it. I noticed something the other day when I was reading my Bible. James chapter 1 verse 2 says this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish as the work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. You know what stuck out to me for the first time, I think, ever when I was reading that? It says, Consider it joy 
when you face trials. Face them. Not hide from them or ignore them or pretend they don't exist. It's easy to keep going and just shut the door and avoid the mess and pretend that this isn't happening and I'm just going to open another credit card and then the, the, that balance is zero. So yeah, it's not fixing anything. I'm just going to keep eating every night. I'm just going to keep finding my comfort in that drink. I'm just going to keep talking to that person of the opposite sex who is giving me that emotional charge that I'm looking for, even if it's wrecking my marriage. That's not facing your problems. It's joy when we face our trials because that's testing our faith and that's showing us what's in our heart and that's what's going to produce the perseverance. And that's what's going to make us mature and complete. Look, anytime you go through testing, bottom line, if you let God do the work in you, let God do the work in you. You will not come out on the other side the same way you went in. And that's if you just lean into it. Now, you can go through the testing and you can come out exactly the same person. You can complain your way through. You can say, I have no idea why this happens. This is just not fair. You can curse God. And you can be the same or worse on the other side. Or the seizing of testing comes along and you can say, wow, my priorities aren't straight. I think I'm spending too much time doing this. Or God, you know what? I haven't cared enough about the lost I haven't think, thought at all about the down, downtrodden. I've been spending every bit of my money on myself. You gave me extra money before, and guess what I did with it? I went on vacation. I bought a new car. None of those are bad. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying during these seasons of testing, if you lean into it, you can really learn a lot about yourself. And once you learn about yourself, once you face your issues, well, then you're in a position to take a step in the other direction. Then you can say, you know what? Yeah, I am sitting on my couch eating with a bag of Doritos every night to find comfort in it. I don't need to do that anymore. I can do something different because I don't want to be that person. I can be a different person. What, what do I want my life to look like? Oh, I, I want to be more involved in the community? Well, that might mean I volunteer for this. Or I really want to be someone who encourages the weak or the straying. Oh, well, that means that I'm going to start writing some letters or some cards or sending text messages to people who I know are struggling. You don't have to stay the same place that you are. Look at this last year. Write down one, two, three things that you want to happen next year. 
I want to be more encouraging. I want to be more grateful. I want to get out of this financial trouble. And then you just start taking steps. Small steps, little steps, huge steps, whatever it is, to get you to somewhere else. But ignoring the situation is going to mean that at this time next year, you're going to be exactly where you were this year. And that's fine if you're super content with your spiritual life and, and with your family life and the situations that you're in and, and your, your relationship with God. But if you're saying, hmm, some things are a little off, why not embrace that? Change it. Go forward. Deuteronomy 31.8 says, It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. God is on your side. You and God together can do all the things that you know you can't do on your own. You can't get out of financial trouble. No kidding. Yeah, you're too weak. It's okay. God's there. He can help you. You can't get rid of that addiction. I get it. But God can. God can help you get through that addiction, get to the other side of that addiction. Your marriage is nothing more than a wreck. You know what? It's got to start somewhere. Why not have it be with you? You start treating your spouse differently. You start praying for love to be in your heart. You start going the extra mile instead of keeping score and putting him down or her down. Let the change start with you. Listen, this is not meant to bum you out. This is meant to say it's not over yet. You're still alive. You're still breathing. Things can change. Your relationships can change. Your relationship with God can change. And guess what? You can change. It's possible. And I want you to be encouraged that you can do it with the Lord. You don't have to be the same person at this time next year as you are today. You can grow. You can be even closer to God. You can be doing more for God and with God. And that's an exciting thing. This has been Little Things, because in God's kingdom, the little things are the big things. Have you checked out C.L. Whiteside's podcast, The Non-Microwave Truth, yet? It offers a fresh, vibrant Christian perspective to today's issues. C.L. is an educator and coach. He takes lessons from the Bible and applies them to everyday situations. I love to listen to him, and I bet you will too. You can find his podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts. Check it out, The Non-Microwave Truth. You may think you are just one person, but trust me when I say each person's prayers are heard and each person's support matters. We appreciate each and every one of you. If you haven't yet, please take the time to rate and review Little Things today and share it with others. Thank you and God bless.